What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Shanti Doc, the host of the Silence the Shame podcast. I hope all is well. Whew, it's a lot going on in the world. We got elections going on. About to find out what these midterms bring about. Um, but we won't get political because we are a nonprofit organization. So we don't talk politics, <laughs> but we talk issues. <laughs> but anyway, how are you doing, Free? I'm doing well, Shanti. I am I'm navigating this this interesting world right now, but I'm blessed. Absolutely. And, and you know. It's funny, I'm, I'm recording from, I got my Christmas decorations up and it ain't even Thanksgiving, but you know, you got to give people grace and let them be happy, whatever that looks like, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So I am so excited about this uh, podcast episode today, and it is another one of our Healing in Public episodes, and we're going to be talking about turning a disability into an ability and this lady who I had the honor and privilege to meet just almost two weeks ago I think when I spoke at an event for we up here in Atlanta Georgia and she was one of the speakers um she is just incredible I'll give you a little bit about her bio and background information Camille Richardson is an awe-inspiring motivational speaker author and company founder Her flagship company, IC Technologies, Inc., provides accessibility services in DE&I consulting and training, facilitation for companies and organizations who wish to be more inclusive of differently abled or disabled community. She launched IC after extensive success as an assistive technology coach, helping her blind and visually impaired clients regain their independence through her unique style of training. So without further ado, free and silence to listeners, please help us welcome the incredible Camille Richardson to the show. What's up, Camille? Hey, 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 Shanti, and hey, Free. How are y'all? Thank you for having me. Doing excellent. Thank you for coming on and speaking with us. Yes, we are so excited to talk to you because, um, you know, just... Hearing about your story and your journey, um, it is quite empowering and inspiring. Of course, you are leading the way for so many people. Um, just for those of you that don't know, uh, Camille was born blind, but she does not use that as a disability. And she has really made strides, um, not only in her community, in the space of technology as an entrepreneur, especially as a female entrepreneur, and also doing so much for the visually impaired community. So Camille, if you don't mind, can you talk to us a little bit about what your journey was like when you got old enough to realize that you couldn't see the world as we see it, but that you were able to come into a unique way of seeing things if you will and um also was that difficult for you as a young girl did you go through you know any sadness and and you know how did you just become the dynamic woman that you are today sure um i'll start at the beginning actually so i'm totally blind from birth 
And so my mother, honestly, was the one who set the foundation for me. Um, Now, see, I was born in the 80s. So back then, there was no access to the internet. There was no going Googling blindness or having a blind child or anything like that. So my mother was on her own. But that did not stop her. Even though she didn't have any experience with blindness or anything like that, she got creative because she knew that her daughter was going to be raised and living in a world that she couldn't see. So she went through making strides to make sure that everything was accessible for me. Um, She encouraged me. She pushed me to step outside of my comfort zone and try new things. She made sure that I had as rich and full of a life as my sister and brother did. And she didn't treat me like I was made of glass. Um, And she, she instilled in me to be confident, be bold, be independent, you know? So that was my mother. She was the foundation. And my sister, um, she was also... She was also a part of that as well. She played a pivotal role. Um, she and I are only 10 and a half months apart. <laughs> so there's uh-huh. we, we shared, I know it's crazy. <laughs> but we shared a room from the time we were babies until I was in, until we graduated from high school. And so she just literally, she didn't treat me like I was her little blind sister who was in the way. She just kind of adapted her way of playing so that I could join in with her and she read to me. Um, she was my Audible before Audible was around. She was my audio description before audio description was around. Like she would lean over and whisper to me when we were watching movies. Mm-hmm. So I would know everything that was happening on the screen. So I know it, it was really beautiful. That's, awesome. That's a beautiful, beautiful relationship to have. And I think that maybe a lot of people don't even consider how the siblings support, you know, like your world. And create and build worlds kind of with you, with you saying that, like, you know, she would lean over and kind of whisper to you what's happening on the screen. That teaches and and creates such a certain, like, depth of empathy and consideration. Absolutely. And you almost need to turn that into a movie, girl. That is inspiring. (laughs) Listen, okay, I'm going to go ahead and receive that because that could could happen one day, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sorry, but go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you are fine. You're fine. So, yeah, I, I grew up in a, very supportive family. They they loved me. They were always team Camille. You can do anything. You know, that's what they used to tell me. Like besides for flying a plane, you know, there was nothing I can do in their eyes. Right. So, <laughs> but um, when I, as I grew a little older, um, you know, of course became that angsty teenager, I did start to notice, you know, I'm a little different from everybody. You know, I I was still able to socialize and hang out with my friends. Um, I floated between the blind world and the sighted world. So I had friends, peers who were both blind and sighted. But there was a time, you know, I felt like I just, I didn't really belong. But the thing about me was I always put on the appearance of being very, very well adjusted, you know, because I came from such a supportive family. I had lots and lots of love. So um, even when those doubts and insecurities would kind of try to creep in, I would hide it, you know, but there were times that I did deal with a lot of, of, of angst and insecurities from being blind. You know, everybody believed that I was so capable and, you know, they were always telling me who I could be and I could be anything, but there was always voices in my head, like, girl, please, like, you know, like you, they, you, you don't know, you can't look in the mirror and see yourself. So, you know, your mama telling you you're beautiful, but she your mama, she's supposed to tell you that. Right. Mm-hmm. So. 
Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll let you finish your point, but I do have a question kind of um, mm-hmm. in the space of where you are right now in your story. Right. Um, I, considering that too, like, you know, sense of identity and sense of self and like, you know, at the age that I would say like a lot of teenagers may feel awkward in general, or, you know, as you said, as you became kind of a, as you started to hit your teenage years, um, is where you started to recognize that difference. How did you navigate through your world and perspective? And I love how you phrased as being differently abled. Um, how did you navigate even like those sentiments of like how you felt about self and, and in those times that I think are the average awkward years? Well, like you said, the teenage years are pretty rough in general, but being a teenager with a disability is really, wow. That was, it was really interesting. Um, I felt literally like I was a plain Jane with a defect. But again, nobody ever knew it because I hid behind a very bubbly personality. Um, I was always the girl who was sunshine when I walked in the room, right? So I was always all smiles and good grades and lots of friends and You know, but on the inside, I was shaking like a leaf. Like, oh my gosh, I felt like an imposter. Even then when I was a teenager, it was just like, Mm. oh my gosh. you know, Kind of like imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. You know, people are getting their licenses. I'll never drive. All the things that teenagers go through. But again, I still had my mom and my sister and my family there to kind of cushion it a little bit for me. So yeah, I was going through all of that. I didn't have the language to name what it was at the time, but I was really dealing with, you know, the beginnings of anxiety and depression. But as I grew up and went to college and graduated from college, it got real. Like that's when I left the nest for real. And I went through a lot of rough times um, and lots and lots of bumps and bruises in the road. <laughs> Let me ask you. Um, so when you say it got real, was that during your college years or was that after? It was after. Um, can you I got talk out. a little bit more about that and kind of what that looked like for you? Did you and did you ever seek counseling or therapy or who were like, um, I guess, your biggest champions during that time to kind of help you through? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I got all the degrees. I did all the things you're supposed to do. Right. And so now it's time to go out and look for a job. And I would put out the resumes just like all my peers and you know, I, I was going to, I majored in broadcast communication because when I was at Carefree Little Girl, I was going to be on the radio. So I had all my little shows recorded. My sister was my guest, all the things. That's amazing. That is amazing. Oh my gosh. Yep. That's what I was going to do. That was my life plan. So I graduate. I do all the things I'm supposed to do. I land um, an internship, a coveted internship at the station I grew up listening to. I was super excited about it. And I I loved what I did Um, and I loved the role I was in. I had a great time, but then I was noticing, you know, after a while, my peers were getting positions in other companies or they were getting roles in that company that were paid. And I kind of just stayed there as the indefinite intern. So it was kind of really messing with my self-esteem. But I said, it's all good because you know what I'm going to do? I have that communications part. So I'm going to start applying for other positions, you know, outside of radio because, you know, a girl needs some money. You know, internships ain't going to pay the bills. So that's what I would do. And 
Right. Like internships, they go pay your bills. So I dusted off the resume and, you know, made it real pretty. Had my sister help me to beef it up a little bit. And I would start getting these interviews and get the calls. I say, oh, Camille, we love your resume. We're going to bring you in for an interview. And I would go in to the interviews and they're all warm and fuzzy on the phone. But the minute I would come in and the minute they would see me and they would see that, oh, my gosh, she is she's using that cane that temperature would drop immediately. It would be about 20 degrees cooler. And I can't see, but mm. I can show enough read a room. How did that, how did that um, impact your intentions for your life though too? Because honestly, when you said to become a radio host and you um, majoring in broadcast, I was like, oh, my God, that makes, you know, complete sense. Right. Right. Did that have any deterrence towards that? Like, I know you had the internship there, but did you find that jobs like radio were more welcoming because they relied more on voice and the sound of things um, versus maybe some of the other places that you applied? Or was it like a, a world of rejection all the way around? That's a great Honestly. That is a good question. And it was a world of rejection all the way around, to be honest with you, because again, people, you know, when people don't understand what blindness is, you you just tend to push it away. You don't want to deal with it. You know, you don't know what you don't know, even though I'm showing and proving and everything. But when you really just don't know what to make of it, then you're just going to. You, you don't know how to do that. You're just going to be like, well, we, we don't know what to do. And I didn't really know how to advocate for my gift back then either. I was young, you know. And my mama told me I can do anything I want to do. And now I'm up against the real world, you know, and I was standing on my own confidence and my own two feet. And I realized it was kind of shaky over there, you know. Mm. So trying to navigate those big hurdles, you know, and trying to navigate those big feelings, it led to a lot of depression. It led to a lot of feeling like I don't belong. Who am I? And after a while, I silenced my voice. Um, I said, you know what? I'm just going to get out of radio altogether. And I'm going to stop, you know, trying to apply for these jobs in, in the corporate world. And I'm going to be a massage therapist, which is like a 180 from what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, Camille, did you, so um, when you were going through your, your depression, did you seek mm-hmm. counseling or therapy or did you lean on your faith? Like, what was it? do you think that kind of got you through and got you the help that you needed to get back? The truth of the matter is I didn't even know how to name it at the time. I just knew that I was not happy. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that I would sleep for hours and then wake up and then be awake all night. So I would go through battles of, you know, bouts of insomnia. And then I would go through times where I could sleep all day long. And then I started dealing with anxiety and panic attacks. So one day um, I ended up telling. No, one day, like I said, I I ended up um, writing a paper in college. And this was like a couple of years later that my sister was using my computer. She found a paper that I wrote from college. And I had discussed um, at a time time that I attempted to take my life. And she came downstairs and she was crying. And I never told anybody about it because, again, I didn't have the language. I didn't know what to do. I just knew I didn't want to be there. But she read it. She was crying and she was like, why didn't you tell anybody? And I was just like, I didn't know. You know, I, I, 
I didn't know how to tell anybody. I didn't have the language. I thought that y'all would judge me, you know. And so after that, I started going to counseling very briefly. Um, I because we ended up, she ended up sitting me and my family down. I don't even know if she remembers this, but she sat me, my mother, and my father down, and she said, "Mill has something to tell y'all." Yeah. So I ended up telling them everything, but not everything. You know, I told them only what I wanted them to know. And this, and, this was after college, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This was like, you know, I was probably about 25 or six or something like that. So it was it was after college. Okay. So I told them and then they were just, you know, they 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 loved me through it. They were just like, OK, so then I started going to counseling. But I know now on the other side of it, that counseling is not a one size fits all. It is not. And it's not going to solve all your problems in a couple right. sessions either. Yes, true. No, it is. How did how did counseling assist you, or what was that process like? Like I said, it took it took a while. Like I said, it, uh, for me, counseling is kind of like relationship building. So it wasn't one size fits all, like I said. And so I started, and then you know that counselor wasn't a good fit, and because I was new to the whole counseling scene, I was like, hey, that didn't work. So I'm gonna stop going. You know. And that was not a good not by yourself with that. Yeah, it's just like, well, that didn't work. So I'm gonna stop going. And like I said, I I had ended up when I when I became a massage therapist, I really started beating myself up because I was like, girl, you just totally gave up on your dream. You know, you silenced your voice. And this is not something that brings you joy, but it was something that I was desperate. I needed a job. It was somewhere that I felt like I belong, you know. It felt like they hired me because I was blind, but it was more kind of like a novelty thing. Like, oh, this is a blind massage therapist. She's going to be good. She's a superhero. Yeah. So compounding that, you know, it, I, I still hadn't had my depression treated yet. So again, I ended up with yet another attempt on my life. Really? But, yes. So you like, actually attempted or you contemplated? No, I attempted. I ended up in, um, actually ended up in the hospital. Okay. But after that, um, my family was just like, okay, girl. Can I ask a question? Sorry to cut. No, go ahead. Do you you talk about what you did or how you attempted? Or is that part of your story not public? Because if it's not, you know, certainly don't want you to to talk about anything you have not discussed publicly or that you're not comfortable with. Oh, no, it's fine. Um, I ended up taking a lot of pills. And um, I remember I called my mom and I was telling her, Cause she was on her way to my house anyway. Mm-hmm. And I had called her and I was kind of in a haze. And, you know, all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm in an ambulance. I'm on the way to the hospital. And I ended up on a 72 hour hold. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had hit rock bottom. One, let me just thank you for sharing that, Camille. Um, in 2015, I, con- I heavily contemplated and I had counted up all the pills in my cabinet. I did not attempt, but I am grateful that you were at the hospital and that you got help and that you're still here with us. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I was, you know, and that was when I knew that I had to get this under control. Like I had to, it could not rule me, you know, and I decided um, I was going to take back my power and I was going to find my voice again. Mm-hmm. And, 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 oh, go ahead, Free. Um, would you say that the 
compounding of the rejection or what you felt like might have, and, and, and not even what you felt, what honestly would have been a lot of people not taking the chance to allow you to not only make a way for yourself, but to prove that you were more than capable of um, being an equal participant in someone's company or equally skilled, et cetera. Um, is that what drove you to that space? Was it, was it feeling as if you didn't have the ability to um, participate as, as much as everyone else or for yourself as you needed? Yes, um, it was definitely that. I, I just felt so rejected. I felt so beat down. I just, you know, it was all those self-fulfilling prophecies, right? It was all those toxic thoughts that swirled around in my head. And also I was putting an undue amount of pressure on myself to be perfect, if you will, to be that person who's not sitting around looking for a handout, you know, to not be that person that everybody expects you to be when they think of blindness. So all of those things were swirling around in my head. And I was like, you know, I, I felt like a failure. I really did. And then to compound that, I was beating myself up. I was like, how dare you be depressed or anxious for anything? You have a family that loves you. You have a family that cares for you. you they're always holding you down. So I, I added shame to myself, you know, more pressure. So, yeah, I mean, it's wild the things we tell ourselves. And when you don't see what other people see in you and you feel like people are telling you no, you're just like, oh my gosh. So yeah, it was, it was. That's a lot for anybody to process and handle. Um, but everything that you went through, I, I can um, empathize with you. Mm-hmm. And all this happened in 2012, by the way. So this is 10 years ago. <laughs> and so what was, and so when did you see the shift when you, you, so you decided you're going to take your, your power back, right? Uh-huh. Get your life back on track. And that was 2012. What did the next two years look like for you? And when did you finally kind of see that light at the end of the tunnel and say, okay, uh-huh. they're going to be okay. Um, for me, it was, like I said, when I made that decision, I said, no more. I said, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm turning these no's that people are saying into to me. I'm going to turn them into me saying yes to myself. And I'm going to find my voice because I don't want anybody else to have to go through this same thing, feeling rejected, feeling like they don't belong and feeling like they're not, they're not good enough and they're not enough. So I started by, um, going back to working in the blind community as an independent living instructor, um, working with people who weren't born blind. A lot of the clients were not born blind like me. Mm-hmm. So I was able to pour in them from the pour into them from the perspective of someone who was blind from birth. And when they saw me live in my full life and mm-hmm. teaching them how to live theirs, it gave them confidence. And it also began to give me confidence in who I was. And that was also when the iPhones came out. So I started teaching them also how to use their phones so that they can reconnect with the world around them. That's amazing. Good for you. And mm-hmm. when, did you, when did you pivot from doing that to working in technology? Well, that was part of the technology part. Uh, when I was teaching them how to use their iPhones and teaching them how to use their computers. Every Okay, so a little side note, every Apple product has what's called voiceover on it. And it has an accessibility section. But if you don't need it, mm-hmm. you don't know what's there. Okay. So if you were to all of a sudden lose your sight, that phone would become a paperweight. Mm. Until you learned how to use it. Got it. You know, um, fun fact, 
Stevie Wonder is actually a consultant for Apple and their accessibilities for blind people. So he tests a lot of the products and also tells them different things to help support the blind community. And so I saw that in an um, interview with him where he used FaceTime to to do the inter- like ultimately he was doing um, carpool karaoke. Mm-hmm. So the whole concept being that they go and pick him up. But when he got in the car, he called somebody on FaceTime to verify that the person he was getting in the car with for the interview was the talent, was who he was supposed to be with. And um, they kept that portion in the interview. And, you know, he kind of apologized and went into explaining that, like, you know, he uses his iPhone for everything this way, but he also consults and supports iPhone for um, accessibility things for the blind. Exactly. So I, I thought that was very interesting. And that's kind of where I learned a little bit about it then, too. Um, so tell us a little bit about like IC Technologies okay, um, and, and how it's been able to be of, of light and benefit to you. Sure, absolutely. So um, it started with that, with me teaching people who are blind and I turned it into a business, IC Technologies. But I also realized as well that in saying yes to myself, I wanted to be the solution to the issue of that temperature drop in the room whenever people walk into an office for an interview, you know, that resume that looks so good. I want them to learn how to work with the non-traditional candidate. I want to be that solution. So that's how I evolved into the DEI space. Um, I wanted to go in, or I do now, I, I go in and I consult with companies on how to create inclusive environments, not just for potential employers or employees, but for your comp- your people that work there now. Um, so I go in and I consult with them. I do lunch and learns um, because my goal is to spread awareness of differences. And if I can do that through that, through um, consulting and workshop facilitations, that's what I'm going to do. So that's what we evolved into. My sister, who was my Audible and my audio description back in the day, she partnered with me as my co-founder because she was in corporate America for 15 years. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, and I want to say this real quick. Um, honestly, and I know that it might be a sign of the times, but um, hearing your story, I feel like those who you encountered in radio to your point, people don't know what they don't know. So maybe their fear was like, what would, how would they have to adjust mm-hmm. um, with, you know, going through different processes um, to be accommodating. But um, I feel as if they were not visionaries, because as I think about it, having somebody on a radio squad who is blind would prop like, especially in today's time, like, you know, I think of all of the things that back in the day when we were growing up were not accepted, like Winnie Harlow has been alive and she's a supermodel. That wouldn't have been mm-hmm. something that happened 20, 30 years ago. But like today, and I'm sure that it will end up happening, but like having someone who was blind in radio would be huge for a radio station. Um, and especially if listeners don't initially know and then as they begin to find that aspect out, um, I think that that would be something that would be really, really big. And it felt smart and it felt like perfect and talent and, you know, connection to have gone in that direction with the intentions of amplifying your talents and gifts and not losing out on broadcasting because you don't have sight. You know what I mean? It felt like a perfect 
participation in that world. So I, I'm a little disheartened that people didn't see that vision to be able to do something big with that. Cause there's something, I think there's something big in it. And you just never know what the future looks like. That's true. That very true. But you all, but you know, free um, to your point, I am actually grateful that happened to me. Um, I actually was able to turn that rejection into my reward because, you know, as the years went on, I was able to share my, you know, to use my voice and amplify these things on bigger stages. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, anytime I go in and I'm speaking with a company or an organization or I'm up on a stage sharing my story, I'm on a podcast like this sharing my story. Mm -hmm. I'm giving that voice. I'm bringing the awareness. I am saying that, yeah, I'm blind. I am a black woman and I'm a boss now. So those companies that reject those companies that rejected me are now wanting me to come in and consult with them. (laughs) Wow, look at that. That's beautiful. Right. And um, I, you know, I found and through that process as well, I found my angel therapist as as I was going through this life transition, you know, as I was going through this entrepreneurial phase in my life. My angel therapist literally did appear because a lot of things were also happening. My mom had ended up getting diagnosed with cancer and it was very acute. We had to hurry up and treat her. My sister moved in with me for three months and my mom did. We had to take her to treatments and then she went into remission. But all of that, it really just threw me for a whole entire loop. And I said, I've got to get some help because those same clouds were starting to come back and try to pull me underneath the water. And I was like, nope, 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 not happening. And I was ready. Like I, when I met her, I knew right then that she was going to be my road to really, really healing. And I did nine months of extensive therapy with her. Mm, Good for you. Excellent. And you know, it's so interesting. When, when I just, when I met you and thank you again for buying my book and supporting me at the WEOP conference, I had no idea from a mental health perspective, just how compelling your story would be tonight. um, And on this episode. I'm just so in awe of what you've been able to do and how you, you know, handled everything that you went through um, in terms of your wellness journey and and turning your disability into your ability to do so much in technology and for so many different communities. We just we we just applaud you. I, I think it's incredible. And I think you need to write your story. It needs to be a movie. Well, actually, it's interesting you say that because um, I actually do have um, one of my one of my blind sisters was like, um, Camille, I really want you to be a part of this anthology. Mm-hmm. And at the time, um, like I said, my mom, unfortunately, her cancer had returned and she passed away. Oh, I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. Oh, it, you know, thank God for the therapy that I had done nine months before because I knew to go get grief counseling after that happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it it was rough. But yeah. my my blind sister was like Camille. You know, I'm I have this anthology. I want you to be a part of it. And at the time, I was like, No, girl, I, I ain't got the bandwidth. I can't do it right now. Well, do you know? I literally said not right now. A couple of months later, she said, Camille, I really want you as a part of this book. And I said, Well, don't y'all have a publishing deadline? She said, Girl, I'm the visionary. I will wait for you. So mm-hmm. I wrote my way to healing in the in the anthology. And the cool thing about it is this anthology is history making because it's not just, again, my story, but it's the story of eight beautiful, bold, blind women 
And we're sharing our stories of sight loss and the vision we gained through the journey. That's fantastic. I know that will be some sort of um, television or film content for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Now we're going to, re- I'm going to go ahead and receive that. for all mm-hmm. of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Let us know what we can do to support you. We're so grateful um, that you took time out of your busy schedule to be a part of the Silence of Shame podcast. We hope to continue to collaborate and support you and do more. Um, Let everybody know, Camille, how we can stay in touch with you and what can we do to support your efforts? Oh, absolutely. So you can find me on all social media. um, On on Instagram, I am Camille, K-A-M-I-L-L-E, Aaliyah, A-L-I-A. And it's combined. It's my first and middle name together. Okay. Um, on on Facebook, I'm Camille Richardson. Um, so that's how you can stay in contact with me via social media. Um, also with our book, it's entitled The Right to Heal. You can find us on Amazon. And um, if you want me to, I can send you the link so that you can put it in the show notes if y'all have any. But it is WR. Yes, and I can I can send you that. Again, it's a powerful story. And one way, one thing that we're doing as well um, with the Right to Heal is we are going on what we're calling book signing journeys. And we did our first one at Bus Boys and Poets in Washington in Washington, DC this past September. Mm-hmm. And it was it was powerful. So we actually are bringing it to Atlanta in January. We don't have a date yet, but it's gonna be in January. So you can definitely partner with us and support us if you, you know, in that way. So. Awesome. Well, yeah, we definitely love to help you get the word out. And I'll personally, you know, shoot it out to my, mm-hmm. my colleagues on social media as well. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you. So exciting. Uh, what are you going to say free? Yes. I want to ask one thing though. This is a little bit off topic and please, if you're uncomfortable, let me know, but forgive my ignorance. It's something I've I want to know by having asked someone who was actually born blind. How does dreaming work for you? Like, do you like when you dream, is it in sound? Like, what is that like for you? Um, when I dream, I'm Camille mm-hmm. Richardson. I'm still the same me. Um, because I was born blind, I don't see in my dreams. People who have seen before and they lost their sight later on in life do see in their dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, but I drive a car, you know, I can't see. I drive a car in my dreams. I don't know how in the world I don't dream, but I do. <laughs> okay. okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I just wanted to, um, and forgive my ignorance, but that's something that I've always wanted to just know. Like, was it a audio dream almost, right? Like, is it, something that you hear or what that process is like? Oh, no. you And you know, you don't have to apologize for asking questions. That's, again, my whole mission is to educate about blindness and spread awareness and let people know that, yeah, we, we're fabulous and we do dream. Some people dream in color because they've seen before, but people like myself who have not seen don't dream in color at all. I just dream as Camille. I'm just me flying, driving a car, all of a sudden in a swimming pool. I don't know how I got there. Mm, okay. Okay. Understood. Well, I, I appreciate you um, giving us that bit of education as well. Um, Anytime. If you have any other random questions, you can always ask me. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah, thank um, you for educating us so much. Free, how can we stay in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm at Free the Vision at on all social media. Um, so that's Instagram, even on Facebook and Twitter, anywhere. I'm at Free the Vision. How can we follow Silence of Shame? Follow Silence the Shame um, at 
Silence the Shame on Instagram and at Silence TH Shame on Facebook. And be sure for these podcasts and episodes to rate, subscribe, share, and comment. Let us know what you are thinking and other things that you'd be interested in hearing from us from so we can be in communication with each other. How do they follow you? And if you want to follow me, you can follow me at Shanti Das, S-H-A-N-T-I-D-A-S-404 on Instagram. And, you know, if y'all would love to just make a little donation to Silence of Shame, you can text the word silence to 707070, or you can visit our website at silenceofshame.com. Check out our incredible resources that we have to offer. And also check out our YouTube channel at Silence of Shame TV. We have a, really, a lot of really good content um, that's on there that might be helpful for you or somebody in your community. So, So we appreciate you. Be safe out there. And remember, as always, take time, save a life and silence the shame.